0: Open our eyes, Lord, that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. Open our mind and our heart that we might understand, so that we will turn to you and live. Thank you all for listening in. Just a moment, I'm going to pray. I will remind... Uh, For those who might need it, uh, we do have a respite room uh, where we are uh, streaming the Zoom uh, feed just down the hallway uh, up to my left, if you need that during this time. But please know, uh, we've said this before and we'll continue to say it, uh, the children are welcome. It truly is one of the things Jesus is most insistent on, is that the little children be welcomed. And so we embody that. It makes for a lot more wiggles and a lot more noise in this space. It doesn't bother me in the least. It doesn't bother me in the least. We've had some pretty interesting things come up in the middle, but that'll be stories for another time. And so if you need to, feel free to take them out, but please do bring them back. Please do bring them back. All right. Well, friends, let's pray. And then let's sit for just a few short minutes in this story, in this interaction between Mary and Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, would you help us to see you more clearly? Help us in all of the letting go and even relaxing that is needed in order to inhabit a space of seeing. Jesus, help us to love you more deeply. For some of us, we come into this space having been told that what we long for and what we desire have no place in our life with you and so would you, would you help us to just drop maybe just a little bit deeper into what we long for? And would you help us to follow you more closely? To take a real long look at our life, but to also hear your invitation in that looking. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. To take your yoke upon us, an easy yoke, a light yoke, to learn from you the unforced rhythms of grace. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to, you know, we read the the whole of John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. I do love the first part, especially because John... It's one of the few places that you see humor really sort of, I think humor is throughout all of the Gospels, but it's one of the few places you see it like really come out. I would love to have known the conversations between John and Peter after John turns his Gospel into the publisher, and Peter goes, really? You said that you got there before me? There's this whole entire theme in the Gospel of John of just how slow Peter runs. <laughs> and for those of you who maybe like me, are built like, more like Clydesdales than stallions, when it goes for running, it's about a slow pace for a long distance, then you will find that you have a patron saint in Peter. But probably one of my favorite post-resurrection interactions, in fact it is, is the one between Mary Magdalene and Jesus. Mary Magdalene is one of the few people in the Gospels that anytime she comes up, I cry. I don't know why. I've explored it with spiritual director and therapist and those, but there is something about Mary that I deeply love. One of the first disciples, and as we'll see today, the first apostle. She truly was the first apostle. And so I want to draw our attention for just a few minutes on this interaction in just a few movements. The first movement I want to invite us to sit with this morning is that like Mary, our Easter begins in the dark. The gospel passage opens in the second portion with these words. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. From the interaction later, it's obvious that Mary was coming not in joy, looking for the resurrected Jesus. She was coming to grieve. Brendan reminded me this morning that I think it's in Matthew's gospel. It speaks of Mary and the other women making spices late into the night before Easter Sunday and then going to sleep, allowing them to sit and to simmer. And those would be the spices that they would take to the tomb I wonder if Mary just longed to stand before the place where their friend, her teacher, and her God had been placed. Did she put her hand on the stone, close her eyes, and what did she want? Why was she going? And it's this small and monumental act of one of Jesus' first disciples and the first of the apostles that I think invites us to reflect on the question, why have we come to the tomb? Friend, why have you come to the tomb? Why have you come today? Do you know? Why have you come to the tomb? Was it out of a sense of duty? I get paid to be here, so it's not really any other place I was going to be. But do you know? Do you know why you came this morning? Because you know you're supposed to? Or is there something deeper? In this moment, if you were to drop down into the deeper places, I think you'd find Jesus there asking, What do you want? What do you long for? Why are you here? Is it peace? Is it joy? Is it healing? Is it a bit of divine breath to enlarge the flame of belief, belonging? What is it? What do you want? What do you want i mean it what do you want why are you here we can make a good guess at what god wants it is here in this interaction with precious mary of magdalene and in every interaction jesus the son of god the human face of god has throughout the gospels he desires to expand our world beyond just ourselves He desires to connect us with others in a way that receive and give away beauty, truth, and goodness in the midst of the mess and the ordinariness of life. Jesus desires to draw us toward God. He desires to help us reimagine the world with him, to join with him in the work of bringing that world about. Jesus desires to share in God's dream for the world. He desires for us to experience ourselves coming alive in new ways, coming alive to ourselves, to our relationships, to God's presence and power in and around us. And friends, wherever you come from, and for whatever reason today, this is what God wants. This is what God wants. And so will we stoop down as Mary does? After coming to the tomb for the second time, Mary bends to look again in the tomb. She bends And it could be seen as just a small detail in the story, but I would argue it's more than that. To see, to really see the wonder and the beauty and the goodness and the truth and the reality that Easter both creates and reveals. We must bend. We must stoop. Stoop under our ways of seeing this world as we know it. To look, to see, we must bend. And with Mary, we must turn. Which brings us to the second movement this morning, Jesus coming to Mary. Mary is still standing outside the tomb. And when she hears a voice up behind her asking, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Now you and I know, who is this? It's the resurrected Christ. And she doesn't know that. Mary has come to the place of pain and grief And it is in this place that Christ draws near. The confusion of grief in the midst of the haze of tears, the questions rattling around in her soul that have kept her from seeing. And notice how Jesus draws near. Jesus draws near, I would say, with immense ease. Jesus is not anxious about her lack of seeing. Jesus is not anxious about her grief. He does not come to her in a flash of light. Jesus does not come to her rebuking her for her tears or for her grief. Jesus does not come to her with information on how the resurrection works and a stern rebuke for not understanding the scriptures prophesying this moment. No, he comes as the best kind of friend would in our grief, asking, What has caused these tears? What have you lost? Whom are you looking for? Now, do you think Jesus knows? Yes. Do you think Jesus knows why Mary is weeping? Do you think who Jesus knows who she's looking for? So who's this question for? It's for her. And not as a gotcha, bah, I'm here. But to honor her grief. And to honor her. He doesn't barge in in a moment of grief with all the right answers. That would be dehumanizing. But instead he asks and draws her out. And this is a retelling of the ancient question from the first garden. Where are you? God coming in the cool of the day asking, where are you? In this moment, God comes in the midst of a new garden, in the midst of new creation, asking, where are you? And to you, dear friends of God, on this Easter Sunday in 2023, the question is the same. Where are you? For what do you weep? The third movement this morning is Mary recognizing her friend and her teacher. And how does Mary recognize Jesus? Is it the dazzling light display? Is it even as her later friends will recognize in the breaking of bread? Does Jesus appear in some mighty act of strength, kicking down the tomb stone? What does he do? He says her name. In this moment, he embodies what he said 10 chapters earlier. My sheep recognize my voice and I know who they are. They follow me and I give them an eternal kind of life. They will never die and no one can snatch them out of my hand. My mothering father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one can tear anything out of the mothering father's hand, for I and the father are one. So I want us to invite us to do something. And it's not weird, it's just different. But I'm gonna count to three and on the count of three, I want us all to say our names out loud. One, two, three. Bliss. Here's the next thing I'd like for you to do. Turn to the person next to you. Ask them if you don't know what their name is. Ask them for what their name is. Now I'm gonna count to three again. And this time, instead of saying your own name, I want you to say the name of the person next to you. And if you don't remember... 'Cause you're as bad as names as I am, just be like, <laughs> and they'll be like, someone spoke in tongues at the Easter service and it was amazing. <laughs> One, two, oh, and you say your mom's name, I'm gonna say your dad's name, okay? Do we divide that up? One, two, three, key. <laughs> Beloved, your voice echoes the divine voice. Your voice echoes the divine voice, and in that movement, it's an embodiment of what it means to be human, to know our name, and to know the name of the one whom God loves. Our voices echo the divine voice, small, gentle, but calling, calling to you and to me. An essential part of Jesus' ministry before his death and central to it after his resurrection was to help people know who they are. That you are the beloved of God. Beloved, you have been welcomed in. Beloved, you have been given a name. Beloved, you have a dignity only given by God. That's why Paul to the church in Galatia will write, and because you are children, God has sent you Holy Spirit into your hearts, crying Abba, crying Father, crying Mother. Why John in one of his letters writes, see what love the mothering Father has given us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. We have a fundamental identity, the beloved of God. This goes beyond biology, race, gender, personality, political party, vocation. God created you. God formed you. God called you my name. God is with you. And God only knows you as precious and honored. And God doesn't know how to know you any other way. God who loves you, God who gathers you, God who does not know how to be absent from you, the God who meets you in the garden, in the midst of the place, death and darkness, who draws near with gentleness and mercy, who is at ease with you, who calls you by name, or as the prophet Isaiah writes, but now thus says the Lord, God who created you, God who formed you, do not fear For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I shall be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Mary has come to the tomb in the midst of darkness and stooping to see Jesus comes to her where she is, not where she wishes she was. Jesus comes to Mary exactly where she is, not where she wishes she was. He had an opportunity to do that. Later on, he's going to, you know, pull the whole walking through a door, magically appearing in the midst of a room. He could have, not with Mary. I don't know why, but it wasn't like that with Mary. He says her name and Mary recognizes her friend and her teacher. And what is it that Mary sees? She sees the divine. She sees the divine, she sees light, she sees the way, she sees the truth, she sees the life, she sees her teacher, she sees her Lord, she sees her savior, she sees her friend. She saw the God who, was brought, who has brought about new creation the one who has embodied and proclaimed the radical availability of the kingdom of God here and now. She stoops, bending in the midst of a world not yet set right in order to see the one who is making all things new. And so will we with her bend, hear our name, recognize our teacher, our friend, our savior, our Lord? And will we with Mary, precious Mary, Run to tell all of God's friends that something mysterious, something new is happening. That the one who knows our name is alive. The one who knows our name is alive and is here and now, present with us. Not where we wish we would be, not where we wish or thought we would have been, but where we are. And who is at ease in this moment whose arms are open. The gardener, our friend, our teacher, our Lord Jesus. Because, beloved, hallelujah, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you.